Welcome to the first of two Christmas Dublin Bible Talks for our midweek Bible Talks for workers in Dublin. I'm Cameron Jones. All those songs in the background at Christmas time, we might unconsciously know all the words. Some of the words we've sung together are extraordinary. Born the King of Angels, Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. What on earth do they mean? Today we look at one of the earliest comments ever written about the true meaning of Christmas. And please consider joining us live on Wednesdays from your workplace, 1pm Dublin time on Zoom. It's a simple way of identifying as a Christian in your workplace. Simply use the link bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks. Well friends, the question that is before us today is what do you make of the child in the manger? Whether in church or whether in shopping centres, we've heard and maybe we've sung Christmas carols about him. But what do you make of him? Some of the words in those songs are quite extraordinary. I wonder if you've ever noticed them, even as they've come out of your mouth and from the mouths of other people who are around you or the speakers in the shops. Or maybe we're so unfamiliar with those words that they bypass our conscious mind. Just reflect on perhaps one of the most famous carols called Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Words like Born the King of Angels. I wonder if you've ever meant that as you've sung it. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. What on earth does that mean? Christ the newborn King. King? What do you make of all that? Some of us might remember um, a book written by Stephen Hawking that was reputed to be the most bought and least read book in history. It was called A Brief History of Time, trying to make the ideas of quantum physics accessible for all people. Now, the last paragraph that he wrote looked forward to what Hawking hoped would one day happen. This is what he wrote. If we do discover a complete theory of how the universe works, it should in time be understandable in broad principle by everyone, not just a few scientists, and then we shall all, philosophers, scientists, and just ordinary people, well, that's an interesting summary of the population, isn't it? But we shall all be able to take part in the discussion of why it is that we and all the universe exist. And if we find the answer to that, it would be the ultimate triumph of human reason, for then we would know the mind of God. Now, Hawking was a brilliant man, and we learned just the other week that he and his wife attended a Bible study with Jonathan's parents. But in that book, he really missed something. And even if someone did discover a theory of the universe like he imagined, they will still know less about the mind of God than the child who knows something about this child in the manger. Listen to another quote from a very short letter, written by someone who knew nothing of theoretical physics, who never heard of black holes or relativity, but who understood with remarkable clarity what has eluded the smartest people in the world. He understood why it was that we and the universe exist. In this one sentence I'm about to read, I suggest there is more of value and importance than has ever been discovered and ever will be discovered by human reasoning. It's from a letter written almost 2,000 years ago. The author's name was Paul, and the man he was writing to was named Titus. This is the sentence. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared for all people. The grace of God that brings salvation 
has appeared for all people. There is a truth right there that is at the heart of the universe. It's not a mathematical formula. At the heart of the universe is the grace of God that brings salvation that has appeared for all people. Just consider with me four things that this sentence tells us. First, the grace of God, the generosity of God, the kindness of God that is out of the ordinary. The child in the manger means that at the heart of the universe is the kindness, the generosity, the grace of God. Is that what the birth of Jesus means to you? Does the story about which we sing each year and hear songs each year speak to you about the kindness of God? As Christmas approaches, and you might even think a little bit about this child in the feeding trough, the question is, are you overwhelmed with the fact that God is good toward you? Is that what it means to you? Friends, this is the greatest discovery that a human being can make. And it is as discoverable to a young child as it is to the most brilliant of minds to know the kindness of God. Not the soppy sentimentality of God, not the kind of nonsense that advertising peddles, nothing soppy and sentimental about the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. It's the undeserved, utterly undeserved goodness of God to us. We will see why that's so in a minute. But just consider how extraordinary it is to discover that God is not just there. It's not just that God exists, as if it would please God that we concluded that he exists. No, it is to know that he is kind, that he is generous toward you. Wouldn't life be very different if you knew that? Even if you didn't know the grace of God yet, even if you don't know the grace of God yet, can you see how good it would be to discover that God is good toward you? Why does the child in the manger mean that? Well, it's a great story, isn't it? Full of human interest and pathos, and it lends itself to wonderful picture books with different characters and imagined donkeys. It's the kind of thing that could send million, sell millions of cards. But how can this story mean as much as Paul seems to think Titus needs to hear? How can this story change my life because it brings me to know the goodness of God to me? Well, it can't really. Not if you just stay with the birth of Jesus. Not even if you do realise that this child was God himself. No, the only reason it could achieve such knowledge would be if you knew why he came. And that's the second thing that this little sentence tells us. Do you remember it? The grace of God that brings salvation. Jesus Christ did not come to earth for some divine holiday. He didn't come just to make God known. He came to bring salvation. Now that's a word that only churchy people tend to use. But just stop and think about it for a sec. What does it mean? Well, it means to be rescued from something. What do we need to be rescued from? Some of us want to be saved from sickness. Many around the world want to be rescued from poverty and hunger. On the news, we see many who want rescue from war and aggression. Many need to be saved from injustice and oppression. 
So many of us need to be saved from fears of many kinds, so many things we want to be saved from. But they are all symptoms of the fact that all is not right with the world. All is not right between the world and God. Something is not right between us and God, is it? Before before God, each one of us is a guilty person. Before God, each one of us has a lot to answer for. Before God, each of us has reason to be scared out of our minds. But the child in the manger has come to become the man who died on the cross in your place and mine. He came into the world so it would be possible for us to be forgiven by God, to wipe clean our debt to God. In short, he came to bring salvation. That is why the child in the manger means the incredible goodness and kindness of God toward you and me. He came so we could be right with God. He came so that we could stand before God himself with confidence. He came so that we could stand before God himself without fear. He came so that with God himself, we could be friends. Now, what I've been saying may sound like nice thoughts, the kinds of things that you've come to get used to people saying around Christmas time. But perhaps you're like many and you find yourself saying in your mind, oh, it's just words. Grace of God, salvation, words, just words. It's the jargon of religion, the cliches of Christianity. But this is not just words, and Paul wants Titus to realise this. Remember what he said. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. This is not just words to pacify someone who's distressed. This is not just, there, there, it'll be all right. This is not just words for religious type folk who like that kind of thing. No, something has happened in the history of the world at a particular time and place so that if we had been there, we would have seen it happen. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Appeared? What did it look like? Well, it looked like a child in a manger who grew up to be a man on a cross. It isn't a question of, do I like these ideas? This is not a question of, does it make sense to me? No, it is, what do I make of what has happened in history? What does it mean to me that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared? That is what the child in the manger who is the man on the cross is all about. The question is, do I realise the goodness of God to me? Now, do you remember the last words of the sentence? The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared for all people. Friends, there is not a man or a woman or a child who has ever lived in the world for whom God did not have in mind, whom God did not have in mind when Jesus came and when Jesus died. There is not one. And that means that he certainly had you in mind. And if he had you in mind, and he had me in mind, isn't it an extraordinary arrogance to say, this is not for me? No, he came for you. It would be a great thing if this Christmas, this year, 
that you came to know the grace of God to you, to know the greatness of God's goodness toward you. For it has happened. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. Well, what do we need to do? Well, we need to say thank you. Say thank you, God. We need to receive his great kindness to us. And we need to turn around from our rebellion against his kindness and instead be changed by it, to reflect it. Now I'm going to pray a prayer that might reflect your response. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared for you and for me. Our God and Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness to us for coming into this world to save us. We ask that each one who hears this message might know or know afresh your goodness toward all. Amen. Thank you for listening to the recording of the Dublin Bible Talks. You can join us in real time on Wednesdays at 1pm Dublin time on Zoom, bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks. That's bit.ly slash Dublin Bible Talks.